0: Season one of The Fairer Sense is sponsored by Freshbooks, the cloud accounting software for small business owners and freelancers who are hashtag all stars. Stay tuned for more info on how you can get a free trial. Thanks, Freshbooks. I'm Kara. I'm Tanya. And this is The Fairer Sense Rad Women and real money stories, instead of the same old financial bullshit. Today, we're talking about women and ambition. Welcome back to the Fair Sense. We are, as always, super jazzed to be here and to be talking with y'all. Tanya, how are you? I am good. And I am just stoked to be talking to you,
1: Kara. You are awesome.
0: Good. You know what? <laughs> High five. High five. High, High five. Cross over the air. <laughs>
1: I'm super stoked about today's show. We're talking all about ambition, especially ambition for women, which I know is a subject close to both of our hearts. But before we dive into that, let's let's chat a little bit about us. What's something you're really stoked about right
0: now? I am super stoked about some changes that I have made to my self-care routine. I used to think of self-care as just kind of like a blank check to eat all the chocolate all the time. (laughs) And I was literally doing that. And shocker, it wasn't making me feel better. And then I realized, oh, actually incorporating time away from my computer screen and a regular bedtime and getting lots of sleep is what I need to feel good. That's actual self-care. So I've been doing those things. I'm still eating some chocolate. Don't worry. Um, (laughs) And I feel amazing. I feel better than I have in a while. And it's awesome.
1: I'm super happy to hear that. Although I am also super happy to hear that you are still eating the chocolate sometimes because that's kind of important for life happiness, I think. But that's great. I love that. I'm so, I was going to say proud of you, but then that sounds paternalistic. Like (laughs) I'm just, I'm really thrilled for you that you're feeling good and feeling like you have a good routine down.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Feels great. What is something that's making you
1: happy? I think along similar lines, I am feeling really grateful right now for systems, uh, which I'll explain a little bit what I mean by that. But I think of myself as being pretty undisciplined. Like if you just give me unstructured time, I will generally accomplish nothing. And likewise, if I'm not thinking about things like I'm a bad budgeter or I can't stick to a budget, I will eat all the food, I will not work out, I will do all the unhealthy stuff. But what I can really do is I can stick to a system if I give myself the tools to make something easier so I'm a huge believer in decision fatigue and I feel it in a really big way I don't know if you do too but like if I can sort of take the decision out of stuff and just make it like okay here is the stuff I'm gonna eat today and I know it's healthy and I know it's gonna be the right amount and I'm not gonna gain weight from it like I do really well with that or like for money Mark and I don't try to stick to a line item budget but instead we do what I call artificially constraining our budget we move most of our money out of our checking account and then we leave this small amount there. And so we live on that. And I just feel really grateful to have figured out both of those systems so that I'm not spending a lot of time feeling crappy about myself or feeling like I can't accomplish any goals, which I totally think in the past was not me being a failure. It was just not having the right systems in place.
0: That sounds awesome. It's super great to know what works for you. And it's not always going to be the same thing as someone else. But when you find it, you're like, I'm standing in my truth and it feels great. Totally. And I'm a huge believer in that. I think everybody's got to find their own systems.
1: But I think even just acknowledging that you need a system for different things is really key. And I think for me, that was like one of the biggest light bulb moments that I've made. And I honestly don't think all of the financial progress that we've made would have been possible without good systems in place.
0: I love that. And it's probably also true. You would not have gotten so far along in your career without some systems. And since we're talking about ambition... Let's talk about ambition. Let's do it. Let's (laughs) talk ambition.
1: So I'm so stoked to be talking about this topic because ambition is something that I think is frankly something a lot of us feel. I think women today, despite all the things that we see in society that still need changing, like we were all brought up with a different vision of what was possible for us than I think our moms or grandmothers and certainly great great grandmothers were. And so I think that there are more ambitious women now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's much more socially acceptable to be ambitious or to admit that you're ambitious, which I think is a really Um, weird place to be right now.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of talk around the narrative of women trying to have it all. And I will be the first to admit that I am a woman who is not trying to have it all. I think that's a stupid thing to say because no one can have it all. And it's an impossible standard to meet. I'm not trying to be the perfect mom. I'm not trying to be the perfect wife. I'm going to make mistakes. And I think being open to that knowledge, as well as saying I'm ambitious, those two go hand in hand. I think that's how you reach success. But I openly identify as ambitious. I think it's really cool and awesome that I get to say that, um, that I get to be a person and to get to be a woman who's ambitious. Um, and yeah, I think your point, this wasn't always the case for women, is huge. My grandmother didn't have the opportunities I have. And she acknowledges that now. She'd be like, you can do things I can't, I couldn't do. And I'm like, damn, I got to do it for grandma. <laughs> Doing it
1: for grandma is a totally legit reason. But something that you said that I wanted to go back to is the idea of having it all and that is, I think, a sentiment that goes way back to like first wave feminism, and it's certainly something that I know women have been talking about since I was younger, and I hate um playing the generation card, so please forgive me in advance for this. but i I wonder, like hearing you say that you aren't trying to have it all or you don't think we can have it all, like that's really interesting because I feel like for Gen X, which I'm a part of, although Mark always likes to remind me that I'm very, very young Gen X. I was born in seventy nine so depending how you define it, i'm I'm on the younger end of it, but like I do think that the women that I grew up around and certainly the ones that I was emulating I think still had this idea of having it all and in the blog that I wrote a million years ago that was like a DIY home blog I think I even wrote a post about having it all and how I aspired to that but that the goal was to define having it all my own way that it wasn't about having it all the way somebody else wanted so like it does feel like a very different thing and I have no idea if that's generational or that's just you but like the idea of not trying to have it like that feels different to me because I do think like I still care that around. I'm like, yeah, of course I want it all.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's probably somewhat me. It's probably mostly me, but I think it's a very harmful narrative, particularly for women. And I do think, I love your point of, I want to redefine what it all is. But this like endless competition, this endless reaching, inevitably you fail. And even if you set different parameters, there is a specific narrative that having it all refers to. And I mean, I think there's a, I know there's a Sarah Jessica Parker movie. I think it's called I don't know how she does it, <laughs> which is about she's like, I don't know, you know, living some fabulous New York life. She's got a job. She's got like two kids. She's got a husband. She's living it all. Right. I think also the the movie's about like something terrible happens and she like doesn't have it all together. But like, it's OK. Of course. But the women in movies never really do. <laughs> right. <laughs> But this initial image of this is something you can aspire to. This is something you can achieve. I don't agree with that. I think it's healthier to step away from that and say, hey, I'm going to opt out of certain things so that I can do better in other areas. To me, that's a key part of my ambition to say, I'm not going to do this so that I can do this better. I'm saying no to this so that I can say yes to this. I completely agree with that. And something that you said really
1: stood out to me, this idea of competition, like I wonder about that because I have definitely been a naturally competitive person and I've assumed that that went along with my ambition, but I know that in the last few years, as I realized that I was going to be leaving my career to retire early and do other things in a strange way, I've become, well, not in a strange way. I think it makes total sense that I've become less competitive, particularly at work. Like, I'm curious, do you think that ambition and competition or competitiveness are synonymous or do you think that they just happen to go together a lot of the time?
0: Mm, That's such a good question. I don't think ambition and competition are synonyms. I do think aspects of each of them leach into the other in our narratives. So out there in the world, it's very easy to conflate the two. And something that I think happens a lot is people who are achieving a lot feel afraid that they are going to lose what they're achieving if they have to share or if they have to open up to another person, particularly professionally. So if you're really ambitious professionally and you're like, I'm trying to climb to the top of this corporate ladder, I think it's very easy to see other people who are also trying to climb as a threat instead of as an asset or as a friend. And that to me is a toxic part of competition that blurs into the ambition part. Yeah, it's interesting because like as we're talking about this idea
1: of women having it all, I keep wondering like, you know, theoretically, if if we say that it is possible to have it all and we include the huge caveat in there that it's however you define having it all, like whatever is most important to you, but that you can kick ass at home and in your work. I think that's fundamentally the idea behind having it all, that you don't have to necessarily suck at one. um, You can be good at both. If we put all that out there, can everyone have it all or can only some of us, the ones who win the competition, have it all? Mm. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I
0: <laughs> like, <I've>, like my, <laughs> my answer is like all tied up in my political and value systems which is that like in a capitalist society no we can't all have it all there has to be a winner and a loser and you see you know like people working for $30,000 a year can't retire early i mean there's just only so much money they can go into that and you know like people who are 5 feet can't be supermodels because that's not the standard of beauty that we're operating under so there in so many categories there are losers
1: Yeah. And I think the systemic stuff is obviously impossible to remove. But if we pretend that we could all get to a place where the things that we most want are the things that are achievable to us in some way, the five foot tall women aren't trying to be supermodels, or maybe it's a world where you can be five feet tall and be a supermodel. Then do we really have to win to have it all? Or could that just be something that's achievable for everybody? I don't know. Again, like I think this is a really impossible question to answer, but it's something that I do think is interesting to get into. Like, can we be more ambitious as women and not do it at the expense of other women, essentially? Like, can we not see other women as threats and competition, but still be more ambitious and still want more for ourselves?
0: I think we can. And I think that I mean, this is the rallying call. We are using this podcast as the rallying call. One of the first things I ever wanted to be was the president of the United States. I was just like, 100% I, I carry be the president, right? <laughs> I now associate my ambitions with specific goals, but this general sense is definitely a part of the definition of ambition for me. That all makes total sense. And also another thing I wanted to be when I was a kid, (laughs) when I was a kid, Tara Lipinski won an Olympic gold medal at 16. And I think I was probably around 11 when she did that. And I was like, sure, okay, I can totally win an Olympic gold medal in ice skating because I ice skated by 15 because, of course, not only did I have to achieve the gold medal, but I had to do it before Tara Levinsky. So I can't believe we've never talked about this because
1: I also figure skated and Ugh. I think that I quit at 13 or 14, though, because I realized, like, I'm 5'8 and I sprouted and was, like, towering over <laughs> But it's definitely a sport where like you have to be world class by like 11 or 12 if you have
0: a chance. Which I did not realize. And I honestly (laughs) love skating and I'm a pretty good skater, but I mean, I can't do any tricks. (laughs) I never could. I still can't. So though I will give another quick shout out. Tara Lipinski is on Instagram and it's pretty good. So if you're looking for a formerly famous athlete to follow, Tara Lipinski's a good one. She does the things with Johnny Weir, right? The commentating at the Olympics? She does. You're right. I
1: it's love okay, them. Still famous. Yeah, still famous. Still famous for snarking it up at big cheesy sporting
0: events. I love it. Kara, you're a business owner. Tanya, you're a business owner. Woo, Go us. And though we are badass business owners who are out here making hilarious podcasts and super engrossing blogs, parts of the job are not as glamorous. Like creating invoices, tracking payments, or making sure that people actually pay us
1: for our hard work. Fortunately, FreshBooks makes all of that stuff easy. FreshBooks is the cloud accounting software that's changing the world for freelancers, small business owners, and everyone in the gig economy, giving us more time to focus on what we really care about. Like crushing the patriarchy. I've spent a 15-year career as a W-2 employee and have never actually had to do my own accounting or send an invoice to get paid. It's intimidating, but FreshBooks makes
0: it completely unscary. I am both happy and ashamed to say that for over a year, I mixed and matched services to do my accounting, and it took so much time. FreshBooks is literally giving me back my time. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial
1: to The Fairer Sense
0: listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com TFC and enter The Fairer Sense in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So I spoke with another lady about her definitions and feels around ambition. I spoke to Michelle Jackson. I love Michelle. I am so excited for people to hear your chat with her. She's the best. She's super cool. We had an incredible chat. Michelle runs the website michelleismoneyhungry.com and she's been writing about personal finance for a few years and is, I'm going to go ahead and say kind of a big deal in the personal finance space. So We're super jazzed to have her on the show. Michelle is a podcaster and a blogger. So she's working in a non-traditional arena. And so being an ambitious woman in that area looks very different than being an ambitious woman in the corporate world. So we talked a little bit about that. Um, We talked about a lot of great stuff. She's great. So let's hear from Michelle.
2: got into personal finance because my finances were a hot mess. Some as a result of my own lack of personal finance skills, just one of those ignorance is bliss kind of situations where I grew up being taught to work hard, but I wasn't necessarily taught all the financial skills that people need to live in this current time. The other thing was uh, my mother lost her job, and that happened at a time, of course, when I was ill prepared to kind of help manage the situation. I'm a woman of color. I'm African American. And statistically, over 51% of African American women, as well as other women of color, will find themselves in a similar situation, which at the time I didn't know. And as a result, towards the end of everything. I, You know, there was a huge mess because we were able to get through it. But you're kind of it's like you're a boat out in a storm. You're battered and, and, and torn up. And so you have to be patched together to get to port and then they have to, you know, fix you. As a result of all these things going on, I discovered the personal finance blogosphere and personal finance blogs and the fact that there were other people like me dealing with similar situations or situations that were even worse than what I was dealing with. And those blogs really encouraged me and lifted me up at a time when I really needed it. For any of you out there listening to this episode, I would say tell your story because you just don't know who it's going to resonate with and who it's going to inspire.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's a huge part of what we do here on The Fairer Sense. We are very interested in telling money stories and the changing financial narratives in our lives. And what you just said some of that really resonated with me. I grew up really low income, single mom. I have two siblings. Money was very tight for a very large portion of my childhood. And it also was not something that we talked about. It was like known that we didn't have a lot of money, but it wasn't like, hey, let's kind of walk you through this and have you understand what's happening here. Um, So there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of embarrassment. There was a lot of just plain ignorance. And then I graduated with a ton of debt and felt very Mm -hmm. trapped by that, very sad by that. Definitely experienced a period of depression. And so, girl, we are on the same, whew, same <laughs>
2: wavelength. The depression was real. Like, the, when I quit my job, I think I was kind of uh, – it was – Partly physical and mental. Like, I had to get out of my job because I was having, a, I was breaking down physically. I'd gained a lot of weight. I broke a tooth from clenching my teeth from stress. My hair was falling out. I had migraines. I had anxiety attacks. So, I ended up quitting my job. And it's really interesting to me now because I was like, there was no way I was going to be able to even manage my financial issues until I could manage myself. Uh, physically and mentally.
0: But what I love about your story, too, is it's like you're so cognizant of the struggle. You're like, I'm in it. The struggle is real. But that's not stopping you from doing anything. So I'm really curious. Do you think of yourself as ambitious?
2: I'm definitely ambitious, but I think that also goes back to being an only child Only children, they tend to be wired really intense (laughs) because there's no other kids. Like, there's no other person to really compete with. And so I'm ambitious in that I have certain expectations for myself, but I do find that I have very high standards that I want to meet, and I get very frustrated when I'm not meeting them. And so that's where the
0: ambition is triggered. I definitely consider myself ambitious and I was very driven always.
2: I wanted to be an ambassador, actually, that I wanted a lot of power. Yeah, right? I totally want power. (laughs) I didn't want to really be known, but I wanted power.
0: More and more, we're seeing women vocalize that but it's still very much so there's like a societal penalty for being an ambitious woman and you see that in the wage gap you see that when women go to negotiate you see that just in terms of using certain words like don't call a girl bossy right Mm -hmm. that was a big thing a few years ago what do you think of kind of like women and ambition in general
2: well i have to talk about this through the lens of being an African American woman, because that's my reality. And and I feel like women in general, if we assert ourselves, it's there's a lot that goes with that. And it doesn't make sense because in business, you need to assert yourself or else you get run over and you make no money or you don't make changes in your industry or within the context of your role. So you have to assert yourself. As an African-American woman, there's the additional, like, you're the angry black woman. If, you know, how people perceive you, if they're not used to being around African-Americans, maybe there's some subconscious ideas of how people should act or look or be. And when I worked um, in my previous job, I was very aware that there were sometimes situations where i was i Felt that I was being perceived differently specifically because of color. And these were with very loving, kind people. But sometimes I'm convinced that this reaction has nothing to do, like if someone else were to say it, that they would react a different way. And so it was very frustrating having that be part of my business reality. And the group with the highest percentage of business growth are African American women. And I think that what we've decided is we're really sick of one, being being perceived negatively when we're asserting ourselves appropriately within our official capacity in an organization. So if I have a master's degree and 10 years of experience doing something, why is it so hard for you to believe that I actually know what I'm doing? You know know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's really Mm -hmm. irritating. (laughs) So... So um, we we are growing small businesses at a rate that's like 300%. The thing is, in my own business, I can assert myself as much as I want to because I'm my boss, or I can have no results if I decide not to do any work because I'm my boss. I'm 100% in charge of what my outcomes will be. And I love that because I don't have someone talking down to me or telling me that I'm too ambitious or I'm too loud or whatever is going on. I'm too animated. I'm like, well, you know, can I say a bad word on this show? <laughs> Fuck you. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to be myself. I'm a well-educated person who's done a lot of work in the roles that I'm in. And I, I actually know things. It's shocking. So instead of like begging for acceptance and and to be heard, I'm just going to do my own thing. And I love it. I love it because you it, you fail or you succeed based on your own merit and no one can put a ceiling on how much effort you can put out there into whatever projects you're, you know, you're developing.
0: I just had this conversation with a friend the other day where I was talking about female entrepreneurs across races, but I was like, you know, I've never had a full-time job and you either kind of fall into this, well... I can't find a full-time job because I'm clearly not worthy of it. Or you say, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to start my own thing because there's nothing. Like, what is holding me back? Nothing. Whatever it is, whether you start blogging, whether you start a fashion company, it doesn't matter. But the opportunities that you have in front of you may not be endless, but you can put an opportunity in front of yourself through your own hard work. And lots of things come into play with that. And I just, I don't know if you read that Fortune article about um, how black and Latino... Families are going to be broke in a few decades, while while white families' um, wealth is growing. And it's like, yeah, there are real systemic problems mm-hmm. in this country, in the world. But let's just focus on the U.S. <laughs> we got problems, <laughs> <right> people. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God, we problems! And it definitely disproportionately affects people of color. And then when you bring just, sexism wow. into the equation, yeah. it's like, and women of color, yeah. And I do think I had seen an. I wrote this statistic down, actually. The majority owned black businesses, specifically female, grew 67% between 07 oh, yeah. and 2012, which I'm just like, yes, get it. Because yeah, you're up against more odds as a black woman. You are. And you have to fight through this like, you know, it's such a, I mean, I'm not a black woman, but it is such a societal right. dance, right? Where you don't want to be like the sassy black woman. Exactly. You don't want to be the angry black woman, but you're just trying to show someone like, hey, I can disagree with you. Like, here's the evidence I have to back that up. But, well, it's like, well, now you're getting emotional.
2: And really that happens angry. And like, that happens no. as a woman, too. It's like, no, I'm not being freaking emotional. No, this has nothing to do with my period. Like, this is just me letting you know that you're wrong and you don't have to dude-splain or mansplain to me that you're right. And I, I, I want to step back and say, in the way that we work in the US, regardless of color, this is like societal, the system is set up in such a way that you're really pigeonholed. And it's really difficult to grow and uh, make a lot of money, quite frankly, unless you're in certain fields. And so that was the other issue where I felt like I'm in this department, I'm in this, this university, it's wonderful, but I'm never going to have an upward promotion, it's always lateral. And that's really fr- that was really frustrating to me. And the amount of work that I was doing, I was like, why don't I just do this for
0: myself? A large part of my experience as an ambitious woman is how I reflect on other women. You know, like people are like, Your narrative as Kara Perez stands in for all women's narratives. Like women oftentimes are not individuals. And I think that also happens with race, right? Like you are Mm -hmm. responsible for all black people, (laughs) um, which is incredibly racist and incredibly sexist. Um, How do you how do you feel about that? Do you experience that? Everyone does. But I'm not
2: going to really how do I put this? I want to achieve results and if you feel like I'm representative of everyone, then hey, more power to you. Like I, I hope that people's experiences with me are positive and and thoughtful and genuine. So if someone were to say, ask me a question about something or whatever, I'm going to just share what I think. I did grow up uh, in a very <laughs> white community, so I don't, I don't have the experience of being around a lot of people of color, really. And so the way that I think about being a representative, you know, because of, of color or, or gender or whatever is I'm going to put my chair at the table. I'm not going to wait for you to, to invite me. Living in a place like Colorado, especially when I was younger, I, that's what you just had to do. You had to be very unapologetic yeah. about who you were, what, what was going on with you, and just be like, here I am. This is the value I
0: provide, and you can get over whatever other issues you may have with me. Honestly, I think that speaks to kind of the roots of ambition and the roots of being bold, where you're like, I don't know how this is exactly gonna work out, but I know I'm gonna be there. Like I know I'm gonna show up to that meeting. I know I'm gonna sit at this table. There's one other question I have to ask, which is that you rebranded your site to Michelle's Money Hungry. (laughs) Which I love. I love, I thought that was so badass when you did that. I saw it and was like, yes. Because A, I really do believe that like, you know, everybody wants money. Don't act like you don't want money. I'm not, I'm
2: not going to, I'm not even going to pretend like I don't have any interest. When I started the blog, we weren't doing minimalism. We weren't doing all that. Like that's a newer thing that's become a lot more, um, in fashion, if you will, with minimalism. At the time I started my blog in 2012, people were like, we just had a, like basically the depression. We want to shop. Like we, we are tired. And, um, so the concept was just really hard for people to understand, even though I got it, but there was a point where I was like, I've changed and it's time to, rebrand this and so one day I was like you know what the new blog is going to be called uh, same blog new name is Michelle is money hungry because I wanted to let the universe know that I am ready to receive as much of abundance um, as I possibly can I want to make a lot of freaking money I want to help other people make a lot of money Period. We are in a time when people are asserting their authority over other people's livelihoods. Anytime you work for other people, you are not always in a secure situation. And so I want to help people with the access that everyone has to the Internet. You can make money. You just have to commit. And so I was like, you know what? Michelle is money hungry and I've been broke. I've done that. I've been about that life. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. So I changed the name and I love it.
0: I love it. I think it's, Amazing. I think it's it's very real. It's very honest. And I think that it says what so many other people think, but you just put it out there. And I'm like, yes, I believe in this radical transparency around money. And I also think, you know, I've been broke. And something that drew Tanya and I to the idea of money stories with this podcast mm-hmm. is that changing narrative because, you know, Tanya's early retired, incredibly successful, mm-hmm traditional career and she says all the time, if you just look at me, you think I'm at the top. Mm -hmm. Like I made it. I'm good. But you don't know everything I had to do to get here. You don't know that I have been broke. I had $30,000 in in debt and I had no idea what I was doing for so long and I don't know where I'll be. Like I could easily make a mistake in the future. (laughs) And I love your narrative too because it's similar. Like you're like, I have been there and now I'm trying to get over here. And to your point earlier, nothing is certain and things change. We just do what we can with what we have. But I love to see people do that. I love to hear people talk about that because nothing is constant except for change, right?
2: And for me, helping both myself and other people manage that constant change, especially with money, it's, it's huge. I feel a sense of relief nowadays because I don't feel controlled by my lack of knowledge about money and so now really because I have so much knowledge and I've worked on my habits now my goal is just okay I've I've re reworked everything now I just need a lot of cash to kind of just finish the process and move on Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm and I'm up for it you know
1: That was such a great conversation, Kara. I'm so glad that you guys had that chat and I don't even know where to begin. There's so much good stuff there. Like I feel for her on the stress. I
0: admire her for the way that she talks about ambition. Like I just, I have so much. There's so much. There is so much. And I think it's also like conversation that we're having, the conversation that I had with Michelle, this is not the end of the conversation. This is not the final word on ambition for women. And Michelle's ambition definition could change. Yours could definitely change moving into early retirement. So there's just a lot happening here and there will continue to be a lot happening. Totally. And like, can I just say like snaps to Michelle
1: for being willing to say that her ambition is about making money, like I think that that is one of the hardest things for women to admit because of the way that society judges us for being ambitious and the way that I think a lot of us, I would definitely include myself in this, have felt like we have to hide our ambition or to sort of like pretend like you're always doing things for the good of the company or for the good of whatever when really it's like, no, no, this is for me, but I can't say that because then I'll be perceived in this negative way. So I just love her for being willing to put that out there.
0: Yes, I completely agree. I do think that there is a stigma against women saying... I'm ambitious. People view you as, let's face it, people view you as a bitch, people view you as cold, or people view you as selfish if you vocalize that. And so I love when other women do that. I love doing that myself. And something that Michelle and I both agree on is that it's critical to overcome the fear of being stereotyped with that negativity in order to achieve, in order to actually reach your ambitions. And I, I just think too, like, Michelle speaks about her experience as an African-American woman. And it's so important to notice that, yeah, being an African-American woman in the United States looks a lot different than being a white woman, looks a lot different than being a Latina. And those are all things that are going to impact not just your ambitions, but also, of course, your ability to achieve your ambitions. And I'm sure Michelle's
1: experience is different living in Denver and not living in the Deep South somewhere or someplace with with different kinds of baggage. So that's one thing that I feel strongly that we never want to do here is, like, ask someone to speak to the blank experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, like, she obviously has faced bigger obstacles than I have as a white woman. And that just gives me all the more admiration for how out front she's willing to be about her ambition now. Because like, I think that people now, women who are out there and saying like, yeah, I'm ambitious and yeah, I wanna make money. Like, I think in some ways that's like, that is blazing the trail at this moment. Like, I think in the past women had to say like, I want a career and like wanting a career was was already kind of pushing things farther. And then like, for me, it wasn't that question of, do I want a career? It was like, I want to achieve and get to like the highest levels. And and I think- It feels like the next evolution to be able to say that you want to make money, but still like that doesn't mean it's easy. So we need people like her to be willing to be out there and say that so that hopefully, you know, the next generation or even not a whole generation from now, but a few years from now, it becomes easier and easier for other women to proclaim something similar. Money, the next generation. (laughs) (laughs) Or like money, the final frontier. (laughs) Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes.
1: I I hashtag TNG forever. (laughs) 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 that's the next generation for non-star trek nerds
0: (laughs) oh my gosh Mm, i love it and i completely agree i do think it's it's audacious for anyone to say i want money i think it's more acceptable for a man to say that but because of our societal taboo that surrounds money it is considered rude and somewhat offensive to say, I want to be rich or I want to have a lot of money. You're not supposed to talk about how wealthy you are. You're not supposed to talk about how wealthy you want to be. So I think, especially for women and especially women of color, to say, I want the power and I want the ability that comes with money is so friggin' bad ass. I love it. (laughs) So I was just like, I'm so, I was just so thrilled to hear Michelle say that. And I, like, Like I said, I am definitely a person who feels it's really important for me as a woman to say things like I'm ambitious and to talk about things like money because in the act of me doing that, I'm empowering another woman somewhere to do that. I know, totally. It it is
1: inspiring me to think about how I talk about my achievements and also what I'm focused on moving forward in this new undefined early retired career. But I don't wanna totally focus on, on the money goal there and and miss what I also totally admire in that conversation, which is Michelle being willing to talk about the stress that she's felt and the pressure and the toll that that's taken on her physically. Because I also think there is something really toxic in the success narrative where you're only supposed to show the after, like you're only supposed to show like, look at this big success I had. And if you talk about the challenge, it's only it. It's supposed to be in ways that made you better or made you stronger. Like we like this Phoenix rising from the ashes narrative a bit too much, I think. And so like really admire what she shared there and like how hard some of this stuff has been and what she's gone through and and not sugarcoating that stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, you and I both feel really strongly that the bootstraps narrative that the United States is obsessed with is mostly bullshit. And, you know, Michelle and I are both in non-traditional careers and are pretty serious side hustlers. And I think it's so so easy to just point to that and be like, look how hard I hustle, look everything I do, look at what I've been able to achieve through my hustle. But you also need to point out, like, you know, I started off this episode by saying I'm sleeping more and it's made my life better, and that's true. <laughs> like, getting totally. getting off my hustle has made my life better. It's not always about pushing yourself to the limit. It's not always about seeing who can stay in the rat race for the longest amount of time. Sometimes it's really ambitious to say, I'm going to step back for a second here. And sometimes it's really hard to say, I'm going to step back. I
1: completely agree. And I think I want to say one quick thing about the bootstraps piece, because you know that I feel strongly about this. Like, I think there's this idea out there that, I want to strike down right now that you either acknowledge privilege and then therefore you forfeit all right to have any claim on your accomplishments or you believe you did everything all by yourself. Like that dichotomy is so ridiculous. And I think it's so harmful in the way that we all try to have this dialogue about what we all want from life and how we support each other and how we create the society we want to be a part of. I think you can have both. Like I feel really strongly like what I've been able to do in life and like that was a direct result of both my hard work and tons and tons of people helping me in all kinds of ways and having opportunities that not everybody has. Other people who were just as smart and worked just as hard but had fewer opportunities for sure did not get the same sweet college gig that I got. And other people who had more advantages might've been able to work less hard and get something similar. So I just think we need to acknowledge both of those things. And that's, I think, just... Like, I wanted to just say a little bit more on why I think the Bootstraps narrative is bullshit. Like, that's only one side of the story, basically.
0: I completely agree. I think it is only one side of the story. And I think people know that deep down. But the reason we see so many bootstrap stories is because people feel weird about acknowledging the assistance they've been given, or people feel like, oh, if I say privilege, yeah, like you said, it discounts the hard work I also put in. The two go hand in hand. I wrote a blog post a while ago called, like, The Privilege I Have Despite Being Broke, where I was like, listen, I'm still pretty broke. (laughs) But I have all these other things going for me, like I'm college educated, I'm white, I speak English. These things all matter in the pursuit of money, and acknowledging that doesn't discount any of the hustle, but it just is an addendum to it. This was a great show. I loved it. I loved every second of it. So glad to hear from Michelle. So glad to talk with you. And if any of our listeners want to talk with us, hit us up at fairer sense at gmail.com. And as always, you can tweet at us
1: at fairer sense on Twitter, or you can visit us online at the fairer
0: Please subscribe to the fairer sense in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling up for it, leave us a review. <laughs> Those reviews
1: help a ton in helping others find brand new shows like ours so that we can stick around and keep bringing you lots of good, deep discussions with our occasional goofy humor thrown in. This is produced by me, Tanya Hester, and the radiant and brilliant Kara Perez. Editing by me. Our theme music is by The Insider, and our ad music is by Keith McLeod. With additional music from Breakmaster Cylinder is bidding Macaba, The Insider, BOPD, and Jazar, AB59, Foxcat Games, and Broke for Free. Photography on our website is by Nick Mendez in Portland, Oregon. You can always find me at rnexlife.com and Kara at
0: bravelygo.co. Over and out. (laughs) That's our sign off. Peace out, homies. (laughs) Catch you on the flip side. (laughs)